Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. It's so amazing to me every time that I get up behind this pulpit. Uh, I'm in, I'm starting year number three doing this. Uh, I preached some services before I took over as pastor. And I was sharing with somebody yesterday kind of the process God's taken me through. The, the deeper I get into this, the more God allows me to be a part of pastoring, the more amazed and just overjoyed I am. I didn't know how this service was going to work out. And I'm getting to the point where I don't really care. I don't mean that rudely. What I'm trying to say is I'm along for the ride. And I've, I've remembered that I'm just the guy that likes to go along for the ride. It used to drive me crazy watching TV shows with my mama because she'd always tell me the ending before it happened. Drive me up a wall. I watched a movie one time, came to a little jump part. I jumped like the movie, brought my brother back to it. The next day, jumped at the same part. I mean, I just like to go along for the ride. It's just so much easier to go along for the ride. And, and that's kind of the point in the message I got for you today is, is that it's God's ride that we're on. Amen. That's not the title of the message, but that's the theme that God's been, been showing us this morning. If we'll just be there and do what God's asking us to do, man, we got people today that, that, that gave their lives to Jesus. We got people that, that shook off those grave clothes again. Hopefully we all got refreshed and energized and set free. I mean, that's what the church is all about. That's why Satan's working so hard to put lies in people's minds about the church and the different churches. He's trying to tear it down because guess what? When we work together, we do represent the church and the body of Christ. And great things happen when we allow God to move. I talked to you last week about uh, being an ambassador for Christ. I was told to enunciate. My mother's all in my head right now, so I'm going to say that one more time. But an ambassador. Is that better, Mama? I'll get a call later today. I'm sure she'll let me know. But we are all called to be ambassadors for Christ. And I, and I, showed, I shared this quote with you. There should be a connection between the God we worship on Sunday and the work we do on Monday. You're where God wants you right now. You're where God wants you. And so you come in here on Sundays and worship and, 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 and get intimate with the Lord, but then there's work to be done in your workplace, in your school, in your supermarkets, in your neighborhoods. There's work to be done. 2 Corinthians 5.20 is what I shared with you last week about now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And what I'm telling you is that being an ambassador is being a leader. So yesterday or last week was really just trying to let you know that if you've accepted Jesus, so John and Stacy, you are now ambassadors for Christ. You're ambassadors for Christ and it's quite a privilege. Because what that literally means is you have been chosen to be a messenger for God. You know the cool part about being a messenger? All you're doing is delivering the message. You don't have to come up with a message. The message is written for you and me. It's just our job to present that message to the people that we come in contact with. I shared this quote with you last week, and I'm just doing a quick review because it leads into what I want to share with you today. Richard Stern says, Leaders shape communities corporations, schools, hospitals, charities, and governments. Christian leaders can shape them to conform to the heart of Christ who loves the people who work there. Let me give you another way that you can think about this. 
Christian leaders are called to be change agents for Christ, bringing healing and restoration into the brokenness of their communities and workplaces. Now, I put up there that Richard Stearns had that quote, and that is the words he put in there, but he got it from the Bible. Just look at Isaiah chapter 61. What does that tell us? It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. What do you think we're supposed to be doing out in our schools and our hospitals and our government buildings and everywhere, right? That's where we're doing this stuff. When we come together as Christians, we are ministering and we're asking the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to us, but it's to fill us up so that we can go out and do this in our communities and our neighborhoods. And so today, now that we recognize that, hey, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Some of us, and at some point in time, all of us need to get back on track with God. Sometimes we run off the tracks. We need to get back on the track with God. And I want to read to you a very familiar scripture, but I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Specifically, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The New, New American Standard, which I like as well, talks about uh, to prosper you. But I wanted to read this version on purpose because I think there's a new insight that, that the Lord's shown me here. I've always seen the word prosper, and I think of me. And it is about me in one respect. But it's not talking about the finances and the wealth of this world. He's talking about the end game, salvation, eternal life. See, God will take care of us on the road to eternal life. Paul tells us there's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows. And we've got to learn to be content with much and with little. Sometimes we lose focus, especially when we're going through the valleys, especially when we're going through the low times and we're going through lack and we can get off track with God. But Jeremiah reminds us here that God's got a plan for each and every one of us. But that's the first step in understanding these scriptures. I want to back up just a few scriptures and read to you that section that, Je that Jeremiah 29 and 11 comes out of. And I'm going to back up to verse 8 here. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. What is the actual future? Gary mentioned, Pastor Gary mentioned that my grandfather's not here anymore, right? He had a great life. His future was in heaven. It's that eternal life. And God knows the plans 
for our future that we have. It's not just about that next promotion. It's not just about that school you're going to go to. It's not just about uh, who you're going to marry or, or, or not marry or whatever it may be. We got to move our thought process from the things of the natural. And I'm not preaching saying that, that those aren't good things. We should honor God in every one of those decisions. But sometimes what happens to us is we get, we get on that train of thought. Tammy told us a few weeks ago that God told us to think vertically, not just horizontally, right? And that's what I'm saying. When God's talking about a future, it's not just this horizontal future that He's talking about. He's talking about the vertical future, the end game, God's plan. And that's the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize that it's God's plan. It's not our plan. We make plans. How many of you set plans and goals? Yeah. Any of you, you know, got a, got a one month, one year, five year, ten year goal plan? Anything wrong with that? No comma. As long as you consult God about that plan. Right? And again, I'd encourage you, if you haven't consulted God about that plan in a while, just submit it to Him and ask Him. Let God make the plan because He knows the overall game, right? He knows the, the whole kit and caboodle. He understands what's happening. We see Partly, he sees the whole thing. So it's God's plan, not ours. What does the Bible say? His kingdom come. Right? The Lord's Prayer, Jesus came and taught the disciples how to pray. He said, pray. His kingdom come, right? God, your kingdom come, not mine. His. Then Matthew 6 tells us, to seek ye first what? The kingdom. So it's God's plan. It's His kingdom. Here's the greatest news of it all. He has chosen each one of us to be a part of that plan. You get to be a part of that plan. I get to be a part of that plan. But it's His plan. It's His plan. The first thing we see in uh, Jeremiah 29, verses 8 uh, and 9, I believe it is, is to stop building a false foundation. He, he tells them, be careful who you're listening to. Actually, Jeremiah just came out and said, look, you've been listening to false teachers and preachers and prophets. They're not giving you my word. They're not giving you the Lord's word. He's saying, stop listening to these people. So I'm going to tell you one of the things you have to do as you become an, an ambassador for Christ, as a leader in this world for Christ, you have to have people you can trust, people that you can listen to. When Jeremiah is writing this, why should I listen to him as opposed to the people he's talking negative about? I'm going to tell you why. You see, Jeremiah had a history. Jeremiah was well known. He was a trusted prophet. Let me just give you some of his, uh, let me just give you some of the thoughts on Jeremiah here. He began his journey at a very young age. I, I did not. I was a little bit older, and I gotta tell you, uh, I, I've been very honest about, I know that God's called me to this, but in the last two years have been me just trying to keep my head above water, right? And one of the things that I've found most challenging is being in the spotlight. Now, my spotlight's not that big compared to all these celebrities and movie stars and everybody else we read about and see on TV, right? they got millions of followers, right? I get about a 100 of you that come on Sundays, and even that I'm going, okay, sometimes that's too much for me to handle. Sometimes that's too much of a spotlight. Jeremiah's prophesying to a whole nation at a young age, at a young age, but God called him. Some say he prophesied more than 40 years, and some believe up to 50 years. He prophesied for that long. And he began under King Josiah when things were good, but he continued through all the wicked reigns that followed. That's an important uh, concept there. A lot of times when things are going bad, we think that we have to change something. No, we got to seek God because he's got the plan. I'll get into that a little bit more in just a minute here. 
He was considered a reproving, meaning a corrective prophet. He was sent to tell Judah of their sins and to warn them of the judgments of God that were coming upon them. And you can see in Jeremiah 1.10 that his mission was defined as both destructive and constructive. He had to tear the false stuff down and build back up the things of God inside of them. If God sent Jeremiah to do that in uh, the tribe of Judah, why would he not do that for us? Sometimes he's sending people to tear down the things that are not of him. His style was considered plain and rough. Less polite than Isaiah. God used Jeremiah to help get his people back on track. That's the title of this message. To get them back on track by calling Judah to true repentance and renewal of the heart and life. What was dad telling you this morning? Don't play games. This is deadly serious. That's what Jeremiah is basically saying. Look, let's don't play games. He's calling them to true repentance. But getting back to the foundation that they had laid, one of the most trusted sources we have is the Bible. If we're not reading scriptures, that's one of the best places to know what God says. Then we begin to ask God to send people in our lives that we can trust, that are going to tell us the truth. Yeah, I got people in my life that I do trust that will that will give me a word that seems very off. And so even then I have to submit it to the Lord and I might have to go to another source just to get confirmation. And sometimes it gets confirmed and other times it doesn't. But that's all in what I've been building over the years. Uh, some people call it an inner circle. I mean, you can get fancy with it however you want to. The point is you need trusted people, right? Jeremiah was a trusted prophet. So when he says to the people, you're building your foundation on false prophets. That meant something to them. It meant something to them. The second part of this we find in verse 11 is trust the Lord with his plan. It requires complete surrender and faith to God. I like this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She said, if you believe in a God who controls the big things, you have to believe in a God who controls the little, the little things. It is we, of course, to whom things look little or big. Again, what did I tell you when I started this? I'm just along for the ride. See, we don't know what's little and what's big. Other people are telling us that's a little thing or a big thing. One of the things my grandfather, since we've talked about him today, one of the things he would do is he would always ask us in Bible studies and sometimes just when we visited, how's God blessed you this week? Man, I'd rack my brain trying to think of something. And what I was looking for was something massive, something huge, something big. But he began to train me that that's part of my problem. I keep looking for these, what I call the big things, these miracles, right? And he would remind me just getting up and having breath and not being in a hospital is a blessing of God. He would remind me that having uh, my wife and my kids was a blessing from God. He would remind me that not being in jail myself was a blessing of God, right? He would remind me of the things that I would consider little and small to be blessings of God. The fact that I had food for the day, shelter, love, things that unfortunately we take for granted. See, there's no little and big when we're talking about God. That's part of being a leader for Him. Again, going back to what Paul said, I've learned to be content with much or with little. In other words, it doesn't matter what I have. I'm continuing on to serve the Lord. I'm continuing on to be a leader for the Lord. How about point to yourself and say, I am a leader for God. 
And next time you do that, I want you to believe that. You did good repeating. Next time, believe, right? Maybe you did this time, but I know some of you are just polite and obedient. But that's really what God's saying. You are a leader for Him. Isaiah 55 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This all is boiling back down to the fact that we don't have to worry, right? Didn't Jesus spend a lot of time telling us not to be anxious, not to worry? So how long have I been off the tracks? Well, are you worried about stuff? Are you anxious about stuff? That's a good tip-off that you're, you're off the tracks. So we just want to get back on the tracks with God. Again, Matthew Henry in his commentary said his thoughts are all working towards the expected end which he will give in due time. It was funny when, when I kind of got the picture of what God was saying here. Like I said, I've always used Jeremiah 29, 11, and I've always heard it in terms of honestly wealth and health and things of that nature, very natural, temporary things. And I don't remember exactly what I was reading and studying about, and I think it was a footnote on the New American Standard translation, and right where it said prosper, the footnote was, or salvation. And I went, what? I've never heard it that way before and then like a flood it just all the things i've been listening to and here and just connected and i realized and what he's talking about is we gotta be more kingdom minded see we operate in the natural by our flesh and we're walking you're here today right you did that in the in the natural right but we 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 pray and we operate in the spirit man as well but if we don't have a perspective of kingdom then we're going to miss what God's doing to us and through us. Kingdom-minded. Man, I got excited. I started sharing with Dad. And about the time I did, I remembered, you know, it seems like for the last two decades of my life, all I've heard Dad talk about is being kingdom-minded people. And once again, this is not a new message. And I got excited because I got a little revelation on it. But that's what Dad's been talking about. You know, And then, then God really went back and said, that's what Jesus was talking about the whole time too. That's what God's been talking about since, since we began. It's not about what we're doing right here now as far as all the stuff we can accumulate. Right? It's how we can reach people for God. It's about His kingdom. Now guess what? Let me, let me help you out. Sometimes we need some stuff to reach people. Alright? But again, the American way is just to keep grabbing stuff just because it might be a good deal or something, right? So all I'm asking you to do to get back on track with God is just submit those things to Him. Ask Him before you just run off and buy stuff and do stuff, right? Ask Him. The other part I want to point out here real quick before I finish up, and I am going to finish up right now. If you look at verse 14 in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations. Listen, you're not going to like this. And from all the places where I have driven you. Let let me read that part again. Jesus, or God says, I'll be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It's a possibility God's got you there on purpose. To get somewhere, you gotta go through something. You can't have a testimony without a test. And guess what? You might fail that test. How many times? A hundred times. It doesn't matter. But guess what? 
We serve a guy that unless you give up, is going to give you another chance on that test. He's going to give you another chance. So it starts with us recognizing that we are leaders for Christ. And then we need to recognize if we've gotten off track for Him. You know one of the ways that God gets us back on track? Sometimes He puts us in a situation that makes us very uncomfortable. Because through that discomfort, we finally start looking back to God. Look at our own nation. When does everybody flood the churches? When tragedy hits. When tragedy hits. Now they're flocking because of the uh, revivals and, and the movement of the Holy Spirit too, and that's exciting. I love that. That's fantastic. We want more of that. We don't want people to come here just because there's been a tragedy. But God will put us in uncomfortable situations. Because it's not our plan, it's His plan. And let me say this one more time. If you choose not to do what the Lord's asked you to do, it's not like it won't get done. That's something we have to quit thinking about ourselves. That's, that's a very arrogant statement. God can't do this unless I do it. Sounds like you need a conversation with Him like Jonah did, where He asked where you were when He hung the stars and the moon. See, if we'll change our perspective... Start thinking about kingdom-minded and get excited about the fact that, God, you're you're partnering with me. You're letting me be a part of this journey, and I'm excited. Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through. Lord, this part stinks. I don't like where I'm at. But I still appreciate you letting me be a part of what you're doing. I read somewhere, hindsight is so much clearer than foresight. How many of you have been through something, look back and go, oh, I know why I had to go through that now. But you didn't have a clue why you're going through it. See, all we have to do is submit ourselves to the Lord. When you say, I'm going to follow your ways, Lord, I am giving you my life. When you get saved, guess what? You just made a declaration to the Lord, and you made a commitment, and guess what? That means that the things you used to do will no longer fulfill you. And the only thing that's going to keep you satisfied is when you are doing the Lord's will. So you want to know if you're off track? Take an inventory of how you feel. Take an inventory of how anxious you are. Are you operating in fear, panic, anxiety, worry, depression? We talked about suicidal thoughts this morning. Because those are all areas that tell us that we're off track. And as leaders for Christ, as leaders for Christ, point to yourself and say, I am a leader for Christ. Then we need to get things back on track. And all we have to do is submit ourselves back to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Let me close this out. I want to summarize what I've talked to you about. There's been so much good word come forth today. It's almost like a buffet. Just pick and choose what you can use and save the rest for later. I want you to know that God's telling us to be careful to who we listen to. And I'm going to tell you that I know you're listening to me right now with your ears, but you ought to go and verify what I'm telling you. You ought to go look it up. You ought to go search the Scriptures and make sure I'm telling you the truth. Then as, as people begin to do that, you can begin to trust them a little more and more. Understand we are a part of God's plan and not the other way around. We are a part of God's plan and not the other way around. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord completely, and I want to leave you with this Final thought. God has been present in your life since before you drew your first breath. 
He wants to use all your talents, abilities, and life experiences to shape you and prepare you to serve His purposes. God is calling you into His great purpose for your life. And I want to challenge you to let your dreams become the dreams of the Father. In other words, let your dreams change to what God's dreams are for your life. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.